Welcome to Mommy Heal Thyself. We feature guests who provide you with the tools, resources, and strategies you need to say no to a life of pain and suffering from all forms of preventable disease, toxic drugs, and unnecessary surgeries. We hope to inspire you to boldly reclaim your ability to heal and to serve the ones you love. Welcome, welcome, my beautiful sisters. Today, I have the beautiful Dr. Julie Panessi who holds a PhD in philosophy, Western philosophy, with areas of specialization in ethics and ancient philosophy as well. She has a master's in philosophy with collaborative specialization in bioethics from the University of Toronto and a diploma in ethics from the Kennedy Institute of Ethics at Georgetown University. She is published in areas of ancient philosophy, ethical theory, and applied ethics. And she has taught at universities in Canada and the United States for over 20 years. So we are very honored to have her with us today. Now, this is when it gets- Happy to be here, thank you. (laughs) In the fall of 2021, she was terminated after she refused to comply with her university's mandates. And you know the ones that I'm talking about. In response, she recorded a special video directed to her first year ethics students. And that video went viral. So I'm encouraging you guys to look it up to see if it's still there. It's probably not there. You know how they take everything down. But anyway, in December of 2021, she released her book titled My Choice, The Ethical Case Against Vaccine Mandates, a personal account of the battle and its aftermath. Now, She is the 2023 Fellow and Chief of Medical Ethics for the Wellness Company. I thank you for joining us today, Dr. Panessi. Well, that's a very warm welcome. Thank you so much. I know there's so much to explore um, with what's going on in the world today. It feels like every day you, you wake up, things have shifted a little bit more and you're trying to diagnose and figure out what's going on today what happened overnight how do I have to rally the resources to to face today so so much to talk about and thank you so much for having me well you know before we started today I was sharing with you the fact that I had recently yesterday went in for my annual checkup which I haven't done in several years because of all the interestingness that had been going on and I refused to mask and all that kind of stuff In any case, Mm -hmm. I moved to a new area. So if this is a new practitioner, I went in and I said, you know what? I have some tightness in the chest that I've been noticing. It's kind of, you know, weird. And I thought that perhaps she would start to do a deep dive into like, well, who are you? And let me get to know you. And and what are you going through? But no, the Mm -hmm. first thing she jumped to was, oh, let's do an EKG and an echo, and a stress test. And I'm just amazed. And so I I would love for us to have this conversation about what are the ethics Mm -hmm. within the medical paradigm at this point in time, in terms of, are we just cash cows for our doctors? You know, what are your thoughts? So many interesting things about that experience that you had, and then embedded within the larger cultural force that Uh, COVID has unveiled. I think what's happened over the last three years is not about a a viral experience per se, but that uh, 
um, in allowed us to see into almost to rip open the fabric of what's going on behind the medical establishment and its collusion with big industry, big pharma and, and broader political factors. So interesting. But it occurs to me when you were talking about your experience just as one patient with one doctor in that one room, the psychology of it is so interesting, right? You say that your physician went right to thinking about one size fits all scientific quantifiable objective uh, tests and measures. And that does two things right off the bat. Um, one is it de-individualizes you in the experience. So anything particular about you, your history, your experience, your recent and, and, and more distant medical history, the psychology stresses you're going through, family dynam dynamics, any of that is all missed by the test that you mentioned, right? Um, and the other thing is that by ordering those tests, immediately she's able to displace responsibility for doing further exploratory work with you in that moment, at least. And charitably, I mean, it's very easy to say, I think, that the pharmaceutical industry has just captured physicians and is using them to uh, earn money. It's, it's easy to say that. And, and there is a certain element of that going on, I think. But if you compound that with the fact that as a defense me mechanism, our healthcare professionals are exhausted, trying to keep up with exponential growth in medical technology and a shifting culture in medicine and unclear expectations. And now with this whole COVID situation, trying to navigate what people are thinking and feeling and what's acceptable and how do I keep my job and keep my license and keep my professional reputation because history shows and we saw this with Nuremberg and the physicians uh, that were employed by the Nazis that the, the Nazis went off after, interestingly, the professionals first. They went after physicians and judges. And I think that's in part because you needed to control those institutions in order to affect the broader uh, project that they were engaging in, but also because as intelligent and educated and probably con conscientious as they were, mm -hmm. they're also a group of people who was very motivated by what others think of them, very perfectionist oriented, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, and so they're easier to control than the average person in sunsets. And we've seen that over the last two years, the judges, the media, um, top government officials, top healthcare providers prove to be more complacent than the average person in society. Well, you right? know, the, the reality is that in a way of speaking, they have more to lose. Meaning mm -hmm. I, I, my heart goes out to medical doctors. I am so, when people ask me if I'm a medical doctor, I say, no, <laughs> don't throw that one on me. Didn't want to be, yeah. <laughs> well, well, I do not envy their position. You know, as you said, they're caught between a rock and a hard place. And we saw so many of our beloved medical doctors who spoke up, who lost their licenses, who were lamb blasted by others in their fields. And they were, they were scorned. I mean, you, it's like you're caught between a rock and a hard place. And even with regards to the entirety of the medical profession right now, I know that the majority, or I'd like to believe the majority of people who go into this field do it because they love people, because they really genuinely want to help people. And yet they're caught in this zone where 
in order to pay back the medical bills in terms of uh, the schooling and the insurance that they, for malpractice, whatever it is. Their overhead in their own practice. Yeah, they, they yeah. have to comply to the insurance paradigm that says 15 minutes, you're in and you're out. You know, how many tests can you get her for? How many shots can you get her for? And that's the only way they, they can see to make money to just stay above water. And I saw some alarming statistics that the number of general practitioners has decreased significantly over the past couple of years. You know, people are retiring or they're just completely leaving. And ugh, I don't know where that's going to leave us. When you say that you wouldn't want to be a healthcare professional right now, I, I think about this a lot. And as you say, healthcare professionals are they're motivated by these virtuous ideals, help people, heal people, something in them is connected to the humanity in other people. And if they start to allow into their psyche the idea that every single little thing they might be doing during the day is undermining that idea that you might be treating people with drugs and surgeries that are unnecessary and harmful, that you might be missing things you shouldn't be missing. That overall as a culture, we seem to be making people less healthy rather than more. If you let those ideas into your psyche, immediately you have, and I'm sure many of your viewers will have heard this term over the last few years, immediately you have the phenomenon of cognitive dissonance, which is this experience of having to hold two incompatible ideas in the mind at once. I'm a healer, I'm an injurer. How do I deal with that? And that is one of the most difficult experiences. And what it does is it breaks your integrity, your wholeness and people, it's human nature to want to live by stories. We live according to the, right? The stories that we tell ourselves and stories to be compelling need to have internal coherence. So if you introduce a dragon at the beginning of the story that breathes fire, you can't have him breathing, breathing cold blue smoke a little while later because the audience says, wait a minute, that doesn't make sense. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. If you're a healthcare professional whose job it is, who has a history of who you define your life mm -hmm. by the work you do to help people, and all of a sudden you might start get, getting the inkling of an idea that you've hurt people, that mm -hmm. you've killed people, mm -hmm. that you have prevented children from having an immune system in the future, that you have caused women to miscarry their babies more than once. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's the severity of what we're seeing now. Mm -hmm. And so my point is that you're gonna do everything possible mm -hmm. to make that not the story you have to deal with, mm -hmm. right? You're gonna make, you're gonna ignore the evidence that might be coming out suggesting that what the pharmaceutical companies are doing is not only causing harm, but manipulating you as a physician and your patients as patients and individuals. You are going to try to rationalize and reconcile what we saw in the Pfizer report, for example, about the side effects that Pfizer knew about their vaccines, you're going to try to do everything possible to make those institutions noble so that you can be a noble representative of them. And all of this is happening at, at the subconscious level for sure. But all of that is to say that what went on in your doctor's office is, is I think, a symptom of this much deeper psychology, let alone the bigger economic and political forces that are that are at play today. And we were talking earlier about informed consent. Well, when I when I went through grad school um, studying bioethics, we hardly ever talked about it because it was a given. 
it was taken for granted. It was, well, clearly you give the patient informed consent. I mean, you couldn't really write a thesis on informed consent because it would just be so, it would just be preaching to the choir and it was so accepted. It was so, and then, so when I started speaking out against the mandates two years ago, I guess almost three years ago now, and I was using the language of informed consent and it wasn't getting any traction in the bioethical community or the legal community or with intelligent friends because it just didn't, the thing about informed consent is it is fundamentally individualistic. Mm-hmm. It's up to what you want to do, not what is the right answer from an objective point of view, not what your healthcare provider thinks a rational person should choose to do, mm-hmm. right? It's up to what you want to do, given your deeply held beliefs and values, your experiences, your things like how risk averse you are, Yeah. right? And those all have to do with your personality and and individual things about you. And so we're seeing that glossing over of the individual and you're going to lose freedom whenever you do that. If you don't care about the individual, why would you care about you being free or me being free? Mm -hmm. doesn't matter anymore. Our job is just to be a cog in a wheel of this bigger collectivist system. We should do our part. We're all in it together get vaccinated when we tell you. And so um, you were saying earlier that you heard people outside the waiting room, all of us flurry about giving flu shots and flu shot. As soon as you are the discordant voice in that choir and say, well, I don't know about that or not today. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's like, it's like you throw a monkey wrench into the machine. Kind of, that's going kind of rapid fire. <laughs> that created a dissonance for her because she, she must yes. have asked me at least three different times do you want your flu shot? Do you want your flu shot? Do you want your flu shot? And each time I was like, no, it was like, and she's like, well, you know, I have to ask you this. And I'm like, no, you don't really have to ask me this, but whatever. But no, let me correct myself. According to the guidelines that she has agreed to with insurance companies and that entire paradigm, she has to ask that question. So I I have to correct myself. And, And, you know, what you're saying regarding informed consent is something that we in the natural healthcare um, field have been talking about for decades. You know, it's just that now with what happened in COVID, as you said, it kind of opened things up for most people to be able to see that dissonance that we've been talking about and stomping about for decades, us mamas and, uh, you know, dealing with the shots with our children and, and things of that nature. And it goes, I think, as you said, to an even deeper level where what I tell people is, I understand when our doctors do the things that they do because we have basically made them medical deities. So I tell them, look, you have to fire your MD. And what that means more so than anything, like you said, is going into your mind and recognizing that this is just another human being just like you are. And the role of that human being is not to take responsibility for your life, but rather to give you the information, the support, and the context for you to make those decisions and for you to have the responsibility of what happens in your life. And because we put so much pressure on our doctors, it's very, very difficult. I, like I said, I, I can't even imagine having to maneuver that minefield where you're bouncing between the needs of your patient, the medical boards, the insurance companies, and the quote unquote public consensus, whatever it is, and governmental regulations. Ah, 
goodness, talk about ethical dilemmas. <laughs> One of the things that's so sad about that story that you're telling is that we spent a long time emerging from a really 2000 year old paternalistic idea of medicine dating all the way back to the Greeks, which is that you should, uh, you know, the doctor was an, an unimpeachable source of information, the final arbiter, the one who makes the decision, and that patients often just kind of meddle with that. They just kind of interfere. They create a kind of messiness. And that idea persisted all the way through the medieval period and really up until about the 1970s, mm -hmm. when we started seeing some of the harms that that caused, and then some legal cases arose recognizing that surgeons can cause some quite serious harm when patients are under the knife, so to speak. And so the, the legal, the case law um, started creating some traction in academia and in ethics. And then we started developing this language of informed consent and all these bioethical principles, informed consent of which was usually one of them. Um, and so we spent 2000 years moving away from that paternalism and we enjoyed maybe 30 years of an autonomy-based bioethical idea anyway. The degree to which that infiltrated into medical practice, I think is probably uh, questionable, but now we've totally reverted back to that paternalism, right? People just say, well, my doctor said, mm -hmm. or advice says, or MedMD online, or whatever you're looking at says, and there's no room for making your own choices. And I, a lot of people have been asking me lately, you know, they say, well, we've spent so much time talking about the problems of the last two years or the last three years. Where do we go now? What do we do now? And that's exactly the right question to be asking, right? Because we, we have been dwelling on all the negative, you know, what went wrong? What did the pharmaceutical companies do? What was the government up to? What's Schwab up to? And all these things are reasonable to focus on. And I think it's especially reasonable given the fact that we were caught off guard or we felt caught off guard and we were trying to sort out what happened to us. Mm -hmm. We were trying to diagnose a, a horrific series of events. And so to dwell on the, well, what's the problem? And then backward looking, what led to that problem made a ton of sense at the time, but you can't, dwell there forever because ultimately we have lives to live and as you get older you realize that we're on this earth for a surprisingly short amount of time and um, you also realize that you as an individual being as arrogant as we like to be sometimes cannot control circumstances outside of ourselves we can't control other people we can influence them with what we do and what we say but we can't ultimately control them so the question is what do we do in this post-COVID world? Yeah. How do we oh, act? How do we move forward? What are the best options for an individual? So right? what, are, what are the things that we can do proactively? Meaning, as you said, we have made the analysis of what quote unquote went wrong. So yeah. where do we go from here? How do we move forward? I think what we're going to say here will just be the tip of an iceberg that is a much bigger conversation that we'll all need to be having. But let me say two things, one of which is a bit abstract and probably will sound a bit disappointing for your uh, listeners, for everybody. And then the other one is much more practical. So the first one, this abstract idea is that um, as 
moral beings you know we can make choices about what we do for better for better or for worse we are going to need to take more responsibility for all the spheres of our lives than we've ever had to do before Mm -hmm. and your listeners are are women largely I understand probably mothers maybe grandmothers aunts sisters whatever um we're (laughs) life is you know I mean I'm I'm a working mother. I have a young child. I have a husband who works full time. I'm navigating all the the challenges in the world to do with trying to figure out how to school your child and navigating relationships that have morphed or broken down. I mean, all of these burdens. Um, But I think the thing we've realized is that we can't rely on news agencies to give us unquestionable facts, unadulterated facts about the world anymore. We can't rely on healthcare professionals to be working for our interests, Mm -hmm. clearly, as opposed to the interests of pharmaceutical companies or themselves. We can't rely on judges to make impartial decisions uninfluenced by what's going on in culture um, upstream from them. You know? And so that means that we need to take responsibility. That's wonderful news in a way, because taking responsibility is a kind of self-authentication. You feel alive, you feel free. Mm-hmm. But the other side to that coin is that there's a lot of work to do. And now the risks and benefits of the choices you make are really, they're really on your shoulders. Um, one of the things we need to do, I think, you know, I spent Uh, several years, as you can probably imagine, trying to work within the system. I wrote uh, affidavits or witness or reports for for uh, for legal cases, um, trying to change how judges were going to rule about the mandates. And you can probably imagine how they all went. (laughs) And I I came to realize after a while that when you undergo as significant a paradigm shift, in how we live as citizens and how our institutions try to govern us and control us you can you have two choices you can either continue to try to work within the system and change it Mm -hmm. or you can create new systems I did the first for a long time and I'm now realizing that I I don't think it can work anymore Mm -hmm. I think we're at the point that we need to create new systems we need to raise the old ones to the ground and start over again and because they're really stubborn and they're not wanting to be disassembled we need to start creating new parallel systems while they're failing you know Um, that's one of the reasons why I joined the wellness company I wasn't at the time uh looking um for a new position uh you know busy with family and and also probably to be honest a bit of apathy about what was going on in the world and it was hard to know what one could do And Foster Colson, who founded the wellness company, he said, what we're trying to do is create a parallel healthcare system. Mm. One that puts the patient first, where you make decisions about your health. Nobody's forcing anything on you. Um, It provides information so you can do the research, not information that doctors will get so they can make decisions for you. Mm -hmm. Um, And that I think is wholly empowering. I think it's where we're at. I think it's what we have to do. And I think there will be a momentum to this sort of thing. You see it also happening in the homeschooling industry, Mm -hmm. 
Mm -hmm. people moving back to smaller hobby farms and looking for food sources that don't come from the big chain food stores. So I think we see it in all, in a lot of different parts of life. And, you know, my interest is, is in healthcare and providing ethical healthcare Mm -hmm. options for people. So I'm especially interested in what the wellness company is doing. And, um, we we're providing, you know, in a practical way, we're trying to provide ways for people to recover physically, recover their body from what's been happening over the last few years. So we provide supplements, things like spike support and, and, and mito support. And thank, thank goodness. A lot of people are finding a lot of relief from those products and they have found that when they stop taking them and then they, they realize the difference that, that it makes. And so they're very happy about that. But I think even broader than that, we're trying to provide some confidence for people. You know, we, um, you can, you can get on the phone with um, one of our physicians or pharmacists. We have a freedom from pharma, a program whereby people can learn how to get deep prescribed from all of the heavy pharmaceuticals that they're on. And that doesn't just create a physiological change or a financial change in people's lives. It, it also creates a, a freeing feeling, right? I mean, aren't you going to feel better when you know you can take care of yourself, you can fuel yourself with food if you know how to do it right or with natural supplements if you know how to do it right. You don't have to be dependent on these pharmaceutical products that more often than not have as many side effects as, as positive benefits. And, and I'm not um, anti, anti uh, pharmaceutical drugs mm-hmm. by any means. I just think we have become so heavily reliant on them that we're, we're making ourselves as sick by that reliance as we are making ourselves well again. So we, we really need, um, I think to create these parallel systems that put the individual first, mm-hmm. that provide us information, but that ultimately end at the end of the day, we make a decision that is a yes is as respected as a no or, or vice versa. And that is one of the reasons why I was tickled pink when I learned about the wellness company. You know, as you can see from our podcast name, Mommy Heal Thyself, we are working with women who are very much empowered to take responsibility. But the question has always been, how do we navigate? Where do we get the people that we can trust? And so when I learned about the wellness company that Dr. McCullough created in a, in alignment with other um, doctors, I was tickled when mm-hmm. I learned about your program with giving people the opportunity to get consultations, to, you know, if you wanted yeah. to get a second opinion, when you go in, like I went into, you know, the doctor and if she gave me a pill, the first thing I would want to do is call up someone at the met, at the wellness company. Hey, what do you think about this? <laughs> exactly. What do you think about this? You know, because I work within the natural field. So I tell mm-hmm. people I know nothing about drugs other than what I can see on WebMD and, and all those things. And I'm always looking at the side effects and everything. Um, but I recognize at the same time, as you said, that there's a significant part of our population that are so far gone that they may need medical intervention in the form of drugs, medications, in order to get them off of the cliff, so to speak. And once yeah. they're off of the precipice, then you can you know, put in all of the other um, reinforcements. So as my mama says, there's a time and a place for everything under the heavens, you know, And so I'm definitely not anti-pharmaceutical so much as it is that I'm recognizing there's a time and a place for everything. And instead of it being our go-to, it should be our last resort. 
you know, so it's a very different type of paradigm. But I, I really, really appreciate you being able to share this information with us because as you, as you said, people are not aware of their options. You do yeah. not have to go with what is being presented to you within that little office, that little cubicle. You can go out and get more information. And I thank you ladies for being here. We are creating that community with It Takes a Village Ministry. We're creating that community where you're going to be able to access community, advocacy, resources, education from people that aren't motivated by monetary incentives. When I looked at the wellness company, I kept asking myself, how in the world are they doing it? Your membership fee, which is like even the top tier of 200 a month, and it includes getting supplements. I was like, oh, that's like you practically know. unheard of. So you know that it's not being motivated by a monetary kind of incentive. It, it's, I'm just flabbergasted. Well, one thing I would say is I think we we're in a period where we all need to do a healing across a lot of dimensions. There's physical healing. And we talked earlier about some of the supplements that can help to address that for sure. But there's also there's healing in relationships that has to happen. And when a new company like this comes along and says, I have some product or I have some services, I have second opinions to offer you freedom from pharma. We have we have um, medical emergency kits, all these things. And you hear about this it would be really reasonable in our current climate to be skeptical mm -hmm. because we've, our trust has been broken so mm -hmm. much. Mm -hmm. And it's really hard to believe that there could be a company that's financially viable, which TWC very much is, um, that it doesn't have an ulterior motive that could actually make some difference in your life. I think it's really hard to believe all of those things. Yeah. And trust is something that it can be shattered overnight, but not built overnight, right? So I would encourage your listeners, if you're interested, go, go and have a look at the website, twc.health and have a browse around. There are profiles for all of the board members. There's information about the products, information about some of the different incentives that we have, or some of the different, um, you know, ventures that we have going on. And, and I think, as I said before, I mean, it's a time where we need to take responsibility for our health and for our families, sources of information and our, our mental well-being. And we need to start by investigating the new options that are available to us. And this is one, and it's certainly one that I feel very passionate about and very confident about. And I've, you know, there's some testimonies on our, our website that explain how it's been able to help people, um, just giving them confidence. One of the first things I understand people say when they call in and, and, and talk to a physician is just, I, I don't feel crazy anymore. Yeah. And there's healing just in that, yeah. right? So ladies, we have the link in the show notes and we are very grateful for you to be here with us, Dr. Julie. We will see you next time. Until then, peace, prosperity, and blessings, everyone. Thank you for tuning in for this episode of Mommy Heal Thyself. If you like what we're doing here, please share, subscribe, like us, and leave a comment. Your feedback is very much appreciated.